You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of The Sit Down right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McTight, delighted to be your host as always. We've got a very special guest in this week's episode. I'm delighted to be joined by former Dundee United and Falkirk defender David McCracken. David, it's a pleasure to welcome you on to the show. Thanks very much for joining me. Good to be on, good to be on. Obviously I've seen some of your uh, some of your content before so it's it's looking good and I'm uh, glad to be here. Well, thanks very much for that. How are you? How's everything been? What's, how have you been keeping busy? Um, I so obviously since uh, just coming out the, the Falkirk job and that, um, I took the opportunity to set up my, a new business. Um, so set up a new property business, um, predominantly working on a bit of estate agency, um, but then working into a few other developments and stuff like that. So it's challenging, you know. It's as I say, it's something different out with football, um, but it's it's good learning loads and uh, meeting loads of new people. So it's uh, it's, it's all right. It's going well. Are you missing kind of football since you, since the situation happened with Falkirk? Is it a buzz to get back into it as soon as you can, or are you kind of I will, being preoccupied? I no long after the the kind of Falkirk situation, um, there was still a few jobs that came up, so I did put in for a few, um, got an interview and a couple, but never actually got a job. So it was at that point I thought to myself, right, I can't keep continuing to to apply for jobs and not getting them. And, you know, there's got to be kind of something else there. And for the past kind of 10 years or so, on and off, I've, I've normally had something alongside football, yeah. like another uh, another job or another career that I've been uh, working on. So um, I've not had that for the past kind of two or three years. Um, so I thought, right, now's the, the, the opportunity to get that again. Um, and I've been involved with property kind of over the past kind of 20 odd year, having my own properties, having a couple of kind of bite of lets and things. So, but, you know, this was an opportunity to take it seriously, you know, and, and start to to build something that, you know, will become my, my main source of income, so to speak, um, or my main career. But with football, you know, once the opportunity comes back up, then definitely looking to get back into it. Well, maybe we start in your, your early career. Like, what was the, was it always the ambition to kind of play football? What was your early kind of football memories? I don't know if I can remember that far back. <laughs> um, but no, looking looking back, um, compared to nowadays, I was probably a late starter in terms of getting into my first team and things like that. So I never got into a first boys club until I was about 11, right. um, which now obviously kids are playing for, you know, five and six and stuff like that. So, um, and it was at my kind of local team called Hullwood, Hullwood Boys Club. So, um they, they were great, you know, the local team, um, you know, a few of my, my friends went, it was one of the ones, went for trials, you know, a few is getting into the team um, and then kind of went for there really, um, you know, was there for about two or three years, um, which was great, you know, and, you know, the coaches then at the time, Andy and Joan Lorimer, who I still speak to, you know, which is great, you know, still have that relationship with them and the family and um, I was actually down there not that lot, not, not too long ago, so, the, the kind of chairman of it, so to speak, Guy Wally Smith, he's still, you know, the club's still running. They've actually, uh, in the past few years, they've they've got their own hub now, so they've mm-hmm. got their own football pitch, um, which was, you know, Wally helped raise uh, funds for that, and he's continuing to raise more funds, which is great, you know, because he's, he's a massive 
you know, he's got a massive kind of outlook on the whole community setup, um, and he does loads for them. So, um, as I said, I was back down there not that long ago, just doing a, a, a wee session with some of the some of the kids in it, which was good. It was good to see um, see Wally again, um, you know, and, and see the the new setup and that, which I've been doing it a couple of times, but it's it's looking great. So, you know, it's always I think it's always important to keep that that kind of you know keep in touch with that that side of it because. That's ultimately where it, it began. You know, if it wasn't for for Joan and Andy doing the trials and you know, and me getting the opportunity to play there, then you know, I wouldn't have had the, the career that I had, um, because that's where it began. So, you know, you feel as though you're ever in uh, in debt to those guys because of the you know the encouragement and, and the opportunity that it gave you at that that early stage. So, um, nah, moving on for there, the, you then, you know, we done all right. The, the actually the, the team above us, uh, they were. They were the team to beat, so to speak. They were winning cups, they were winning leagues, you know, and we were we were doing all right. We were, we were kind of getting high high position in the leagues and that, and doing all right in the cups. But we were never anything brilliant, you know. We never really yeah. won too much. But you know, it was more about the enjoyment factor. They used to take away the trips, the usual. I think the ones are still running doing the Blackpool tournament and all that kind of stuff. A couple of tournaments doing in the air and things. So. Uh, at that point, that's that's what it was about—the enjoyment factor, um, and just really learning your, learning your football. But from that, started to get a few kind of small trials. Um, Dundee United, Queens Park, um, had a couple down in England. Actually, went down for a couple of trips away, um, down to Nottingham Forest, um, which was good at that age. You know, I think I was only about possibly thirteen or something like that, thirteen at the time, um, but that was good, good experience to go down there, see the difference in setup, you know, proper, a proper kind of football setup, proper training grounds, proper facilities. Um, and at that time, quite daunting as well, because you're thinking, mm. you know, you start thinking, of quit, am I good enough for this? What am I doing down here? All that kind of things. But then you came away with it and it, you know, it's always a better experience. Um, and it, you know, it served me well in the, in the years to come. So I, after that kind of moved on, um, towards Queen's Park, you know, I was playing with Queen's Park for a while, um, you know, kind of younger teams and then get put into the reserves when I was, I think it was about 16 or so, um, which was good, again, playing proper football, you know, playing against men that, you know, didn't care whether you were 16 or, or 35, it didn't matter, you know, they were there to win, so to speak, so bringing that element into it. Um, and then at the same time, I was playing kind of pro-youth type um, as you would call it, we done the United on the Sunday, so the league was on a Sunday. But it was very, it was a very different setup at that point because we done the United. It was more about, you know, formations, about you know possession, about keeping the ball, about ball retention, all this kind of stuff, and positional and formation and that. And there wasn't a massive element on winning the game, yeah. so to speak. Of course, yeah, that's the end goal, but it wasn't a case of you know we're going to beat whether it be Rangers or Hibs or Hearts or whoever it might be, a lot of it was focused on, you know, how good we were on the ball, how much ball did we keep, how much possession was there, you know, how many opportunities did we create, but it wasn't like Kimonawa after the game and, right, you know, we get beat 2-0, you know, and then focusing on why we get beat 2-0, it was more just about, right, we get beat 2-0, but we've done really well in possession, we've done really well at this, and for me that felt a bit strange, you know, no going into the game fully focused on winning the game, um, which is a wee bit different. And I think, 
even leading into nowadays, I think your football's still a bit similar like that. Um, and, and I found it hard going for that to Queen's Park where people are telling you, doesn't matter how you play, you know, the main focus is winning the game. You need to get a clean sheet as a defender. And, you know, and, and if we score up top, then we hold on to that lead. So it was very two different kind of, two different outlooks on the game there. Um, don't get me wrong, it, it definitely helped my progression in terms of, you know, my technique, you know, keeping the ball, concentrating on how important it was to have that possession of the ball. Um, and then obviously having the flip side it when you're in Queen's Park and, you know, you've got learned pros smashing you a bit and, you know, yeah. teammates screaming in your face because you've you've gave the ball away or you've you've made a mistake or something like that. So it probably it was probably a good combination for me at that point, aye. Yeah. You obviously go to the United and what was the kind of highlights of your youth team days there and who were the kind of good mentors that kind of helped kind of progress into the eventually granted first team? I so I was when I when I joined United, um Tommy McLean was a, the first team manager at the time. So he was there, um, proper old school. Morris Malpass was there. Um, and then Terry Butcher got brought in as well. So I was fortunate enough to have Terry Butcher and Mo Malpass as, mm -hmm. as my youth team coaches, which as a central defender, there's probably, you know, you probably can't get any two, yeah. two better mentors in that sense. Um, and they were, they were different characters, obviously. Um, Mo was very dry, very kind of old school in terms of, you know, no matter where the goal came from or who lost the goal or why it happened, it was the defender's fault, you know, because they should have done better, which was pretty harsh at times. Um, but, you know, looking back, it was it was a really good upbringing um, through that. Terry Butcher was was very similar, but he, he was focused on, you know, being a good defender, but also being a good football player. You know, being able to take the ball, being able to be in good positions to to feed the ball in the midfield, or you know, anytime you had the ball, making good use of it, rather than just being a defender, and that was it. Um, so, so it was a good combination, and as I said, proper old school, um, but some some really good times in the the kind of youth team side. It you know, or the usual, um, if it's somebody's birthday, you know, they used to get some crazy things. Looking back now, like you know, some crazy things you would get. You would get stripped naked, you'd get smashed about in the boot room, you'd get, you know, covered in the old dubbing. You know, obviously you used to do the boots with the, the old boot polish and all that. So you just you would get covered in that and then you get papped outside and tied to a lamppost. And then <laughs> like every week, so on a Friday, we would need to wash the manager's cars and that. So you need to wash the managers, get the coaching staff and that. So if you if it landed on a Friday, that was even worse because then you're tied up against this pole in the middle of the street. The boys are washing the cars and then you're just getting scudded up. You're getting soaked every five minutes as well, which made it even worse, you know what I mean? So, um, but it was good. It was good. Some some good times. Still speak to a lot of the boys. Um, Stuart Duff and actually, you know, reconnecting with a few yeah. um, as well. Boy Mark Cooper and Steph McConnell and all that. All the players that, you know, looking back, were, were better players than me. Much better players than me. More technically gifted. Better, you know, better on the ball and that kind of stuff. But, um, at that point, you know, there's loads of different factors that come in at it, you know, different opportunities again in the first team, you know, just how much how much game time are you getting? Um and, and it's strange to look back and think that because at that point, and you know, when you're in that youth team that you're thinking, he's definitely gonna get into the first team, he's definitely gonna make a career in it. And you very much put yourself down a wee bit. I was very much that kind of like um, I'm not quite as good as the next person. 
um, which probably a, a kind of fault in my my trait. But um, I, looking back, it was probably some of the best times of my career. You know what I mean? When you're learning and learning off the pros, you know as well. Whether Dundee United at that time was was proper old school, as you can imagine. Jim McLean was still kicking about as a chairman. Um, you know, you had to to go to you know even to go to training. So we used to get changed at the at the stadium, and then would would need to take all the gear and go to a, an actual training uh, pitch. But at that point, you had to turn up in like smart trousers, smart shoes on, wear a polo shirt. And that was that was a setup, you know what I mean? If you didn't, then I'm like, what was happening here? Mm-hmm. Thought I'd bend all my school trousers and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Didn't need them anywhere. So I ended up having to get, you know, full new rig out, um with these with these smart trousers and that kind of stuff. I, I thought it was brilliant to be able to wear tracksuits and casual and all that, but it wasn't that wasn't the case. And again, you know, for an old school kind of perspective, it was probably a good thing because it was a good grounding, you know, learning to be smart, be respectful, your elders, you know, your older pro and all that kind of stuff as well. We couldn't, you know, probably heard that a million times, but you know, you you had to knock before you went in the first team changing room and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, we had to go in the back end of the changing room, come through the physio um, to try and get a hold of one of the first team players if you wanted them. You weren't allowed to just charge in and, you know, and try and find your pro whether they needed, you know, a pair of slips or a pair of shorts or where his boots were and stuff like that. So um, so it was it was good. Uh, it was good, good the early days. Do you remember your debut for the first team? Yeah. Uh, Aye, aye. I remember obviously. Um, I think it was at the end, of, the end of my second year. Um, obviously against Celtic, you know what I mean, and that's just madness. You know, I'd played um, a couple before it. I think I'd played Mo Malpass's testimonial. I think, mm-hmm. um, and there was a was that a pre-season friendly or something. I think again with uh, Gothenburg. I think you know just after that as well. So. I'd been kind of training with the first team, you know, quite a while on that. But at the same time, you know, to actually get put in um, is is quite daunting. But again, looking back, it was it was brilliant. You know, what a, what an opportunity. What a you know, especially coming up, kind of growing up like my two brothers, they were Celtic season ticket holders at the time and all that, um, and and a lot of the family were Celtic supporters. So that was kind of main focus. And for me to be playing against Celtic was just. You know, it was just crazy at the time. Um, but I, it's you know, massive, massive experience. Um, been delighted, obviously, to get you know, get that opportunity in the game. Then your second game as well. Do you remember that? <laughs> aye, aye, that was that was where the the higher like playing against Celtic and getting your debut and all that, and then the second game just get smashed back <laughs> and again and realised, you know what, I'm, I've got so much to learn here, um, and it was. I'll be honest, like I still to this day, I don't think it was a sending off. You know, it was uh I remember Stuart Dougal was a referee, which it's it's crazy because of some of the guys I'm working with now. Um one of the boys, Jamie Mitchell, who's who's in a run about finance, used to play with Thistle and that as well. He he brought up Stuart Dougal just the other day. He just he was talking him through, you know, uh some of the things he's doing and some finance that he's setting up. Uh, and he was talking about Stuart Dougal, but ah, it was Pogget played into John Spencer, um, who was playing up front for, for Murwell at the time. And it was one of the ones I've come in at the side and I thought, right, Brian, I'm getting there, you know, and just that little touch late. And him being an experienced strike at the time, just gets his toe in, flicks it around the corner, and obviously I catch him. Um, and then 
it wasn't once. It, I would I would have seen it as a yellow card, I hundred percent. But it's not so if it was through on goal or any, that kind of stuff. So, I it was it was uh, it was disappointing at the time because it was like Jesus, what, you know, what are you doing? That walk for the pitch to the tunnel was honestly it was like quicksand. So if I just I, I was never getting there. You know, what I mean, it felt so long and like as if everybody was focused on you and and it was it was tough. It, it was tough, but. You know, I think some of the older pros were about me at the time. Um, you know, plus the fact that like Terry Butcher and Mo Malpass that, you know, they very quickly put it into perspective, you know, and kind of, no made me feel better about it, but made me kind of take the focus away of how bad it was that yeah. I'd been sent off. And just the fact that, you know, they said to us, look, listen, you know, these things will happen in your career. You need to move on for it. Don't worry about it. You know, they looked at the challenge, you know, that kind of stuff. We spoke through it and then put it to bed and that was it. And it was a case of, look, just get yourself back in, training, work hard, and then see where it goes. Um, so I, so it was, it, it was it was a really good learning experience, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously really dis- disappointing at the time. And see, obviously, at that time, obviously, Paul Sturrock was a manager and then he leaves and Alex Smith takes over. What was your kind of thoughts on, like, Paul Sturrock? How well did you go with him? And then, obviously, when Alex Smith took the job, what was your reaction to that? Aye, so, again, still early on in my, my kind of professional career, you know what I mean? And your, your manager gets a sack, so mm-hmm. it, was, it was disappointment. You, you kind of... Possibly, I, I didn't look to myself as much because I, at that point, I probably still felt as though I was kind of... In between, I didn't feel like a first-team player because I wasn't playing regular or that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, it was it was run about contract time as well because I was kind of going for that change for kind of youth contract to a pro contract as well. So um, at that point, you know, that's when I realised, right, this is serious. This is actually a career because at the time, um, you know, some of the boys that I spoke about there... <clears throat> who I felt were doing better than me, even though I was still involved with the first team, they get released. You know, they never got a contract. They never got that pro contract, which to me was a big eye-opener because, as I said, then I realised, right, this is serious. This is actually a job, so yeah. to speak. You know what I mean? Because then they were, they were in a position where they didn't know what to do. You know, were they going back to college? Were they going to do something else? Were they going to get another contract in football? Um, which was difficult to see because they were my mates, you know what I mean? So it was it was hard. Um, but then, you know, obviously Alex Smith came in and he was he was a big advocate of of uh, you know the younger player, you know, bringing the bringing youth through in that as well. So again, it was, you know, it, it started to kind of turn a wee bit and, and he gave me more opportunity um and and kind of good learning. Did play me out of position, mind you, at the time where he started to rather than playing me at centre back, he kind of pushed me to full back, pushed me to right back or right wing back. And at the time, I was like, you know, in my own head, I'm thinking this isn't my position. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until years down the line when I was uh, at Falkirk that you know I had I was able to have that conversation with him, and you know he, he used it as uh, as an opportunity to bed me into the team, so to speak. Yeah. Because a couple of times and looking back, it was 100% correct where, you know, if I'd made a mistake in this kind of central area, it was getting punished straight away, mm-hmm. you know, where somebody would score for it, which wasn't good for me. So he, you know, his words were that he'd used it to try and protect me a wee bit, learn the game so that if I was making a mistake a wee bit higher up the pitch or wider, there was still opportunities for that to, to get stopped, whether it be, 
you know, somebody clearing the cross or somebody else went in the back in a different area. So looking back, you know, I mean, it was probably the best thing that they actually done for me um, because I was learning the, the game in a different position. I was seeing it from a different perspective. Plus, obviously, if I did make the mistakes, which younger players do, then it wasn't getting punished uh, directly. So so it was good. And, and over the course of Alex's time, it was it was good learning because he mm. gave me more more game time. Um, and he brought in a few others, uh, big Jason DeVos, big Canadian centre-back who was there. Um, I've never seen a guy head the ball at us in my life, but you know, honestly, it was it was his technique and all that kind of stuff was perfect, and and it was good for me as well because I learnt off the back of that. You know, he, he used to take me to the side after training sessions and and talk me through things, talk me through the importance of different parts of the game, um, which for a young pro is is invaluable. You know, I mean, you kind of get enough of that. So, aye, so no, the, the things were good, but again, the transition of managers um, was was difficult. And then obviously after that, you you go on and kind of break into the team, make nine appearances the season after. You score your first goal against Celtic. How big a buzz was that? Aye, massive. I obviously, um, you know, playing against the likes of Henrik Larson and, you know, Hartson and Sutton and, and all the rest of them, you know, all the kind of bigger names that had been signed. And, you know, Martin O'Neill's, I think it was, might have been Martin O'Neill's first game possibly. Um, and... Aye, to, to obviously score was was just crazy. Uh, looking back at the time, you know, my celebration, for one reason, I don't know why, but I ran straight to the Celtic fans. You know what I mean? I ran straight to the Celtic fans, you know, or us, you know, and hopefully, you know, hopefully the Celtic fans are probably new. You know, <laughs> after the game, I was, you know, driving back down to Glasgow on an absolute high and, you know, the amount of messages I was getting, people saying brilliant, but also people saying, fucking can't believe you scored against Celtic, you know, that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? So getting a bit of dogs abuse as well at the same time. So um, again, it was it was, it was was massive because uh, obviously first, first professional you know, career goal. Um, but at the same time, you know, having that kind of weekend, uh, you know, feeling great about it, even though, you know, we, we get beat 2-1, I think it was, um, and Henrik Hen Larson scored later on, but you know, after that, I kind of hired a weekend and then coming back in on the Monday and then getting told you need to change it, you need to clean the changing room, you need to do this, blah blah. blah. So you're yeah. very quickly back down to earth. It wasn't as if, oh, I've made it, I'm a pro, I'm in the first team or that kind of stuff. You were straight back onto your jobs again. So, um, you know, it's it, that that was good as well because it kept you. It kept you kind of a bit level-headed and kept you grounded as well. Yeah. Was that a struggle with Indy United just with the kind of, kind of try to get above top half? Like, see, like, the, the kind of next two seasons, it was, you obviously break into the first team, play a lot more games, but the club only doing so well. Was there a kind of bad vibe at the club at the time, just with performance? I will. I did. As you said, it was a couple of years where, you know, never done so well. Um, it was a bit of kind of relegation scrap and stuff like that um, as well. And, and again, looking back, it was massive experience for me, you know, no realising it at the time, but um, some of the games we played in, some some high-pressured games um, where the club could have been relegated stuff, uh, and I was involved in them, you know, and at the time, you don't think it like that, you know, probably don't think, you know, as a kind of younger pro, you're just going into the game and you're not really kind of too worried because you maybe feel as though it doesn't affect you directly because you don't know the actual scale of it. But looking back, you know, fortunate enough to have enough experienced players around about me, they were taking the flack for it, were taking, um, you know, the pressure off of that. And 
and for me, really just going in and, and trying to play, trying to get more experience, trying to get more minutes. Um, but uh, what probably wasn't until like, a few years after that that I realised the severity of, you know, that kind of relegation battle um, yeah. at the time. So, uh, and, it, and it was, you know, there was a bit, bit more transition after that, um, change your managers again and, uh, you know, change your personnel, change your players as well, you know, kind of constantly happening. So, uh, that that's a that's something that you find hard as well, you know, where you're kind of getting to know somebody, you're getting you're feeling comfortable playing beside somebody, and then all of a sudden there's that change there away, and you're you know you're having to get to know somebody else and get to know their strengths and their weaknesses, and that. So uh, things are constantly changing. Yeah, who were some of the good characters in that dressing room at the time? I so so well that you know that run about that time there was. There was loads who, there was a few just maybe a couple of years above me that um, that were, uh, that I'd come through through the youth team and they were probably in the cusp of the first team at that mm -hmm. point. And then as I kind of got into the first team, they were now, you know, first team regulars. So you'd like Stephen Thompson, you know, Jim Patterson, who, like Patty, I was his boot boy for a couple of years. Um, you know, you'd, you'd a few others, you'd Davey Hanna, you'd Charlie Muller, um, you know, Jim McIntyre, Billy Dodds, you know, kind of going through the years. Um, you know, Alan Archibald was there. The, the, you know, you could go on and on. Um, the, the amount of players that were there, that the experience they had and the level they'd played at. Um, you know, at the time, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about myself, trying to get more games and and, and stuff like that, but you don't realise actually the calibre player run about you um, in the early days to be fair there was a lot of Scandinavians mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of uh, kind of Norwegians and stuff like that as well and they were brilliant you know they were great guys different different type of characters and that but then more as, as Alex came in and then kind of you know Chizzy and, and Paul Hagen and that after them those kind of changed and it was more kind of Scottish or English and you know more kind of homebred uh, players that were coming in as well. So, but aye, there was, you know, some of the some of the things that were on uh, that were on were, were mental. You know, the, the boys loved boys loved a drink after a you know after the weekend game and that. And you know, it quickly became there was a Sunday club. You know, boys would meet up for a few beers on a Sunday and that. And then, you know, and then it, it started to evolve into a Monday club as well. So there was a few having a few beers on a Monday as well, but. <laughs> You know, to imagine that nowadays, that just it just wouldn't happen. You wouldn't be able to get away with it. Um, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure you can you can probably guess some of the ones who were in the Sunday club and the Monday club and that. You know what I mean? Um, but it was good. To even that side of it as well as a young pro. You know, get out in nights out and you know Christmas. You know, Christmas do's and whatever. That's part of the experience, you know, yeah. learning that, you know, and don't get me wrong, you get absolutely scudded about in the night suit, you know what I mean? Because you're the younger ones. Um, but it's it's part of it, you know, it's that's that's the sort of thing you need to go through. Um, you know, they used to have more than a few nights suit in Dundee, um, with some with some stories that probably I couldn't tell on here, <laughs> to be fair. But um nah, as I say, that's all part of the experience, you know, part of the are learning. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, after that, can Alex Smith leaves and Ian McCall gets a job. Obviously, Paul Hegarty was a caretaker as well. What was that kind of period like and how excited were you to work with Ian McCall? I will. So, you know, it was, again, another transition. Um, thought Hegarty had done all right, you know, in his kind of caretaker time. And, and I think he was possibly quite keen to take the job, but 
um, it never happened. I think at the same time there was that transition of Jim McLean leaving and, and yeah. Eddie Thompson coming in at the time as well. So, and I think it was Eddie that brought in uh, Ian McCall. So there was a lot of chat about that because I, I think it was around about the time uh, Falkirk had was it around about the time they'd won the league but never get promoted and things like that. No. I think so. So I don't know if that's why McCall made the jump. Um, and then there was talk of like bigger money and you know big things happening at the club and that. And, uh, and I, there was a bit of transition. You know, he came in, brought a, a, a load of new players with him, um, a number of boys for Falkirk. Um, you know, who who now you know, are still some of my mates, you know, Mark Kerr and and things like that. Who'd come and done really well. Um, and it's you know at, at that point there was a bit of you know as I said there was transition there, but I think that season we done. We, we did get a bit better, but I think it was the following season where we ended up in uh, fifth position. You know what I mean? We get into the top half at the time, which for the club was was the first in in a, in a good few years. Yeah. Um. So that was that was progression there, and um, you know that was you know, we actually we actually got a trip away for that, um, which again was <laughs> not mental. Um, some of the stories on that, but um, I think for that point at the club, you know, it seemed to be. Progressing, you know, bringing McCall in, new some new personnel, you know, and and then you know the year after we get into fifth position, so they, they kind of seen that starting to progress forward a wee bit. But then, uh, you know, I think the year after it things didn't start too well, and then that's when McCall ended up uh, leaving. Were you surprised when Ian McCall left that Gordon Chisholm took over? Um, possibly I because at the time you see. Just obviously the the kind of the kind of structure it where McCall's a manager and, and uh, Big Chizzy was the assistant and that um, for him then to change and be the manager because it was you know as an assistant you're a you're probably a different type of person or a different type of coach and that with the boys you're, you know you've got to be in a different uh, kind of position with the players um, and then to change for that into the manager I think was was quite hard for him um, obviously. You know, Dodge ended up being the the assistant in that as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, I, th I thought you know I enjoyed you know you know Chizzy's training and that as well, and I thought he done quite well. And Dodge was really really good for my my learning and that. And I knew kind of Dodge on a bit more at a personal level because I used to travel with him. So you, mm -hmm. it was a kind of traveling. We used to travel for Glasgow, and. Uh, it was myself and him, Mark Kerr and uh, Jim McIntyre at the time. So we we that kind of relationship there where, you know, it was very comfortable, um, which, you know, at times was good for me, I thought, because yeah. he would openly tell me stuff that, that I didn't want to hear, so to speak. Um, and it was easier for me to take on board because I knew him on that sort of level, um, which, you know, where other coaches, you might take offence to it or they might put it across the wrong way. Whereas, you know, that at that point it was... Um, it was easier um, for that kind of relationship. But, uh, you know, I think maybe which is he taking the job as well, there was a higher expectation because we'd got fifth position um, and then obviously getting into the European games and that as well uh, was tough for him because, you know, I think it was his first managerial job, I think, or he'd yeah. maybe done D before. Um, but... Ah, you know the expectations high, so you've got to kind of hit the ground running, which uh, which was tough for him. What was it like, obviously, that the the first full season when 
Yeah, you've reached the League Cup semi-final. Obviously, he's lost quite heavily to Rangers, but then you've reached the final with the Scottish Cup against Celtic. What was the, what was the kind of memories of those two runs like? Aye, brilliant. You know, it was good because, you know, it came off the cusp of, you know, the European games and that as well. And, yeah. uh, and the club seemed to, the, the team seemed to be in a, a fairly decent position at that point where we were kind of challenging. There was a bit more belief and, uh, you know, as you say, getting to the, the semi-final, but then we get absolutely spanked. So that was... That was a massive disappointment, you know. I mean, because it's an opportunity to go and show how far we came, and you know, and actually, you know, make a game it and, and try and get yourself into the final. But uh, it was just one, one of the games, one of the games. You know what I mean? Like at half time, you're just thinking, Jesus, do we need to get back out here? You know what I mean? Um, and you're just kind of trying to stop the wave. So uh, that that was difficult. Uh, it was difficult, but you know, um, the experience again. You know, I always say. You know, you're either win or you, you learn. You know, you don't yeah. lose or fail, so to speak. And uh, that was definitely a, a massive learning experience for me, um, that game. And, you know, and, and having a taste of being at, you know, playing at Hamden, playing against bigger teams and, and things like that as well. So you want more of that. You know, you want more of that. And you want to kind of rectify, obviously, that result anyway. But uh, you want to get a bit more taste of it. Um, and then again, the final, you know, it was disappointing that, that I never played. Um, you know, but at the time, looking back now, I, I understand it. You know, there's different factors that came into it. You know, but Gary Kenneth at the time was had come into the team and done was doing really, really well, um, and it was a massive prospect for the club. You know, and and possibly behind the scenes, you know, there might have been there might have been clubs looking at him. I'm pretty sure there was clubs looking at him. Uh, I think Celtic possibly been one. So, you know, for for the club not to play him. Then you know it might have affected his his kind of caliber and you know his prospects um, and the club's opportunity maybe to, to sell him on for money. So, uh, but uh, it was disappointing, obviously, you know, to get beat um, as well. You want to go there, and, but to be part of the occasion, you know, at that point, in my career was was great as well. Obviously, after that as well, Gordon Chisholm leaves and Craig Brewster takes over. What was your thoughts on that? That was it was uh, it was a bit strange because also Craig had been in the you know playing in that as well and had been in the change room and uh, and that for me was was a strange time because he was still in the change room you know as a manager and he was still involved still getting changed in the change room he was still on a very personal level with the players but you know at the same time trying to make that switch you know of being a manager and then obviously being one of the boys but. I don't, me personally, I don't think it worked because there's too much familiarity there. There was too much, it was too comfortable. It was too, you know, it just never worked because you can't just switch it like that. You can't yeah. just be a manager and speak to somebody in a manager's mode and then be standing in the shower with them having a laugh about something. You know, it doesn't, it, yeah. it, it doesn't work. You've got to have that separation point. Um, and I think that's probably why, you know, things didn't really work out. Um, at the time, you know, there was a lot of experienced pros in the in the team and in the changing room, and and I don't know if that was a factor as well. Where you know, I think Craig Bruce at the time found it hard to take on uh, points for the, the experienced players, and you know, maybe took it personally or whatever. I don't know. I don't know, but you know, it, it just I didn't kind of quite click, to be honest. Yeah. Were you obviously after that? Were you happy to? Can I try and can I look and see what other clubs were out there? Or were you kind of keen to stay on at the United? What was your thoughts going into that last season? 
Aye, well, obviously when, when Craig Levine came in, mm-hmm. um, at that point, I was thinking to myself, because I wasn't playing great, I knew I wasn't playing great, and the team weren't going through a great time either. And, and I, you know, I kind of started to think to myself, you know, is it better for me to go somewhere? Because it was one of the points where I, I felt as though I wasn't progressing anymore. I wasn't, you know, I was playing against the same teams all the time and uh, and I felt as though I was having the same games against the same teams. So some teams I would play really well and we'd win the game. In other games, I'd play against certain players and be horrendous. You know what I mean? Be like really bad and maybe make a mistake or give a penalty away or whatever it might have been. Yeah. And, and I thought to myself, you know, it's too familiar. It's too... You know, I'm, I felt as though I was kind of like going backwards, so to speak. You know, I wasn't progressing. Um, and, and at that point, obviously, Craig Levine came in and he, and he made a point of saying that, you know, because for him, it was just about getting the club moving forward again, um, trying to get into decent positions in the league. And he'd put it out there, because I think there was quite a lot of players out of contract at the end of that season. So he'd openly said that nobody would be getting spoke to about a contract until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, at that point, I was already thinking about leaving and, you know, you know, trying having a, a different test and things. And and I had a, a couple of open conversations with him, um, you know, and and it, it was good because he came back with some really good feedback and I probably forced the issue um, a wee bit more where I said to him, you know, it was kind of coming up to Christmas and, uh, I think, you know, it was around about the time I'd, I'd you know, my oldest, um, Rachel, she was only just a baby and I was thinking about, you know, the next contract and yeah. what's going to happen and things like that. So I kind of forced the issue a wee bit and probably, I think just before Christmas, you know, I had a, a, an open discussion with him and, and he said, look, you know, I'm not wanting to make decisions on contracts, but if you want me to tell you right now, then he says, you won't be getting our contract. He says, you know, unless you play outstandingly between now and the end of the season. He said, I don't think it's right for you to get another contract. He said, I think you personally, I think you've been here a long time. Um and I think you need a new challenge. I think you need to learn a new, you know, a new way of the game. Uh, he said, because it's too easy for you here. You know, it's things are happening and and you're not really getting you're not learning from it, so to speak. It's just happening and happening. So he says maybe you need to go somewhere else. But and the flip side of that, it was really good because he said, look, it's not that I'm not going to play you. Um, it's not that I'm going to bomb you. You're not going to train with the young boys and all that. He says, I still need you to play. Mm-hmm. He says, so you still be playing a lot of the games. Um, he says, and if if I can help, you know, help you out with it, and what you did, you know, he kind of put me on a couple of players, uh, a couple of teams and stuff like that as well, um, which was great, to be fair, um, because I've seen it throughout my career where, if boys are getting a contract, then they don't feature a lot of the time and, you know, they do get bombed out or they get put to the side, um, which isn't great either. So it was still an opportunity for me to play and kind of, you know, if teams were coming to watch me, then an opportunity to show that I was worthy of a contract somewhere else, which was good. Aye. And obviously, after, how do you look back on your, your time at the United? It was, it was great, you know, I mean, it was... The, you know, some of the some of the biggest learning times in my career, um, some of the best times in my career, both, you know, socially and through football. Uh, you know, got the opportunity to play in Europe, to play in cup finals, semi-finals. Um, you know, some great times, some some lifelong friends. You know what I mean? Some people that, that I'm still friendly with, I still speak to in that as well. Um, 
So, you know, and, and for me personally, I don't think I would have wanted another kind of upbringing through that youth period. Yeah. I don't think, you know, although at the time it was, it felt really harsh and really severe because the likes of Terry Butcher, Mo Malpass, I never even mentioned John Blackley as well, who he was, he was straight to the point. He would be in your face, you know, that proper old way, shouting and all that kind of stuff. But that was... That was a good upbringing for me, I thought, because I think there's a massive part of that missing for the game now, where you know it's you can't shout at players or you can't give them too much criticism because they take it personally and then it affects them and affects their game rather than uh, them being able to handle that and, and come back and show your reaction. So uh, no, that was it was great, it was superb, and you know I'll always look look back on it as a as a great time in my career. Brilliant. We'll move on to your move to Wickham, obviously. When did when did you first hear about that and what was your first kind of interaction like with Paul Lambert? Yeah, so so as I just mentioned there, just before Christmas, so I knew that I was uh, that I wasn't going to get a contract. So um even at that point, uh, Paul had been in contact with my agent and and there was an opportunity for me possibly to go down on loan. Um that happened, that was kind of near the end of the window. So uh it, it kind of happened. It, it looked as though it was going to happen, but then uh, we at United. I'm trying to remember who it was. I can't remember the player, but there was somebody else who was supposed to be coming in. I think um, there was supposed to be a couple other kind of movements happening, but uh, another one of the boys got injured. Uh, one of the centre backs. So that was that was it. Dead. He just said to me, "Look, I kind of let you go because I'm I'm short on defenders." So um, so that killed it off then. But you know, a month or two after that. Uh, Paul had come back and and then I met him, met him in Glasgow and, and that and uh, and kind of got the deal done, which was was brilliant because at that point I was still I'd played against uh, Paul, you know, a number of times when he was playing for Celtic. So to me, he was like Paul Lambert, you know, captain of Celtic and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and uh, you know, sitting down face to face talking to him about a contract and he's wanting to sign and that um, was was a weird experience, but. You know, then I came away for that thinking, you know, I had massive confidence in it as well um, because he did want me to sign. So I got down there, you know, it was, and I think it was probably the best thing. I had a couple of op- other opportunities up here um, of possibly going to Hibs or, or uh, Gus McPherson. I spoke to him at St Mirren as well. And, you know, and there were good opportunities. And again, but I just felt as though I needed something different. You know, I needed... Out of Scottish football out of the, the kind of Premier League at the time, so to speak, mm-hmm. because again, if I moved to either team, I would have still been playing against the same teams, you know, and possibly some of the same players as well. So um I looked at that, you know, looked at obviously England, there was a couple of other opportunities possibly in Sweden and that as well, but uh that was more on a kind of trial basis. Um and I felt just having a having a young family at the time, I thought better to Try and get something more secure. So, so that's when the, the move to Wickham came about. Aye. And what was the standard of League Two like compared to the Scottish Premier League? I think you know, and I said this when I moved in there. There was a lot, of, a lot of the press I done was like, you know, the press in there was like, why have you moved from the Scottish Premier League to League Two? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like so far down the leagues, and and I was like, well, it, it's weirdly because it's weird because if you look at some of the facilities of Scottish clubs compared to what I moved to, even done the United, like we used to, as I said, still get changed at uh, at Tanadice. 
then uh, then we'd go to like a training pitch somewhere. Sometimes it would be using a junior pitch or or like camper down that they had at the time. Um, and then it, it, the last part they changed to the facility they've still got, I think, over on St Andrews. Um, but, you know, there was never any kind of, this is Dundee United's training ground, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was none of that. Whereas when I went down to Wickham, they had their own training facility. They had, you know, they had an area with uh, three or four grass parks on it. Um, inside, you had a full complex. There was a full gymnasium in it. You had offices up the stair. Um, you had a chef. You went in in the morning, and you know, he'd make you your breakfast, and and then you'd you'd have your lunch all week, and everything was paid for. And it was, you know, it was it was on a different level. Even though you know, I'd come down a couple of weeks, so to speak, it was on a different level. Uh, you know, with the infrastructure and stuff like that running about it. So, um, and again, at the end of the day, it was a, it was a new challenge. You know, Paul Lambert had, had kind of painted the picture that, you know, he was wanting to do things down there. It wasn't a case of going down and just, you know, playing for Wickham. It was going down to, to win League Two and, and get promotion, um, which for me, that was that was what I needed. That was that sort of yeah. drive, that sort of focus that, that I needed to take it at a new level. And, and then I'm making the club captain was was brilliant for me and my career because it changed my thought process. It changed my perspective. It wasn't just me I was looking after, so to speak. I now had to take care of, of these other players. You know, I had to think about what they needed to, had to interact with them and the manager and the coaching staff uh, to make sure, you know, things were okay. And then it was brilliant. It was like, massively enjoyed it and enjoyed that, that factor of, you know, taking on that responsibility as well. Um, but the level of football, I think, uh, I don't. I think it ranges, you know, in terms of football doesn't change much. I don't think. You know, I mean, you've got two goals, two teams. You know, you're, you're trying. Uh, you've got the same objective to win the game, but style of football, I think, you know, in League Two there was possibly more teams that were set up similar in terms of their personnel. Well, they maybe had the big striker with a small striker off them, yeah. and they would go back to front and try and get you know any joy off the big one, and then and then flood players run about it for there. There was there was a couple of teams who would be persistent and trying to play out for the back and try to play football, and they would have loads of possession. But you had the exact same in Scottish football as well. You know what I mean? So, um, so and that's a lot of what I said when I went down there. You know, things don't change that much, um, but. You know, that, that first year going down, um, obviously playing against different players, you know, having to learn, you know, that I didn't know the player I was coming up against, you know, so I didn't know his strengths, I didn't know his weaknesses, I didn't know how to play him uh, in certain types of, you know, positions when the ball was coming up. So that was good. That was good. And and I get caught out a few times, I'll admit, you know, a few times with different players get caught out and, and shown up a wee bit. And and that's that's where the learning was happening. You know what I mean? Because I realised that I couldn't just take it at face value that because he was a big player, it was always going to come to his head or it was always going to be a challenge in there. You know, there was a lot of bigger players down there, more more physical as well, that that would quite happily take it on the feet, turn you, run you down the line, you know, try and chop you up a bit. It didn't matter uh, what sort of physique they had. So so again, that was that was good learning for me as well. Yeah. And then obviously your first season, you finished seventh and Paul Lambert resigned. So what was your thoughts on that? Well, that, that first year, so we um, we got into the playoffs, you know what I mean, and, and they end up getting put out of uh, Stockport, I think. Yeah. And and I never I never played those games and being the club captain and that, but I had a bit of a conversation with Paul at the time and 
you know, and but he was up front and honest, you know, and, and, and he said and he played uh, different players and that, and which was fair enough. And, you know, it was still gotten to get put out, mind you, um, because we had, we, we were kind of coming on to a bit of a run near the end of the season, um, but just kind of missed out on that. And then, and I think, you know, that plus there was, there was a couple of other issues going on at the club, I think. And uh, it was a bit of a shock when, when obviously he said he was leaving. Um, and at that time, myself and possibly one or two others get wrapped up in it a wee bit. And we were, we were possibly in the same instance of wanting to leave the club as well um, because of what had happened. But, you know, Peter came in and he quite quickly had a, a meeting with myself and a few of the other experienced ones at the time. Um, just to kind of dampen things down a wee bit and, you know, and... To, to basically, you know, just asking for an opportunity for us to listen, to look and, and see what it was he was trying to do. So uh, so we did and, and then, you know, he set a, set a good structure in place and you could see obviously the experience behind him, uh, some of the clubs that managed that and uh, obviously involved in the England setup and everything. You know, you could see that he was a, a high calibre uh, manager. Um, and and it, again, it was a different experience. Um and, and again, for a captain's point of view, things changed again slightly where uh, it brought me in on a, more, a lot more things or he was asking me a lot more and what did the players want? So so that added something else to, to my position as well, which was good. But uh, it's, you know, he was very structured in what, he, in what he'd done um, and he was very open at the start of the season. He, you know, he made it clear that no matter who you were, what position you were, how well you were playing, how badly you were playing, he says, I will pick a team on the Thursday or the Friday that will beat the team that we are going to play on the Saturday or the Tuesday or whatever it might be. He says, it doesn't matter where you're at. Or, you know, he says, so don't don't let it come as a surprise if, you know, if the team's had five clean sheets and the back four are playing great and I change it to a three and one of the defenders come out, don't take it personally. Don't think they've done, yeah. you know, I obviously be aggrieved at it and come and speak to me, but it's for the better of the team. Um, and he'd done it on a number of occasions. You know, it was, I remember uh, Jermaine Easter at the time, Welsh internationalist, who, who was on fire. He'd, I think he'd scored in the last six games or something like that. He scored a goal in like the, the past six games. Um, and he dropped him. He took him out of the team. <laughs> and Java just, he, Java was to set like, uh, normally, normally every Thursday we would do shape on the team. So he would set the team up so that he knew, you know, you would do a bit of analysis. Uh, he would name the team, we'd get on yeah. the pitch and work on it. Um, and and Jama just, he, he, he couldn't accept it, couldn't accept the fact that he was flying, you know, scoring these goals. I think it was, I think it was at Chesterfield we were going to play. And uh, Peter had set it up, it says, you know, it's going to be a horrible game. He says, they're playing well. He says, they're not a footballing team. He says, they'll try and batter us. He says, it's just going to be an absolute grind. He says, we might get one opportunity, two opportunities. Um, he says, but he says, it's it's going to be like off the cuff or a mistake or something happening. Um, he says, or just, he says, it, it won't be pretty. And uh, he brought in the boy, uh, Chris Zabrowski at the time. Now, uh, Seb was, was decent enough player. He was nowhere near... Jermaine's like link up play and knowledge of the game and, and stuff like that or finishing or anything, anything at all like that but he was lightning quick and he was very direct um, very awkward guy very reminds me of uh, like Fash up here Nathan Austin 
mm-hmm. that plays with uh, was it Kelty and that. So, yeah. so very much like that, very much direct, wants to get to go very quick in that, but uh, very awkward to play against. So so anyway, the, the game goes where, you know, again, as he said, it's an absolute dogfight, right? Just battering hell at each other. Not really much in the game. And I think it was maybe about 70 odd minutes or so. And we basically, it was just one of the ones, like clearance, we clear it. Uh, Zeb gets onto about halfway line, right? Takes this horrendous touch, right? Which puts him about 20 yards away, right? Gets onto it and then scores. We end up winning 1-0. You know what I mean? And it was like, you know, and, and Peter says after the game about it, you know, he said about the, the whole kind of change in the team. And don't get me wrong, Jamma still wasn't happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately getting into, I think that was getting into the, the kind of January window. He ended up putting in a transfer request and that, you know what I mean, and try to get away because of that, but or part, partly because of that. But at the same time, he, you know, Peter stuck to his stuck to his morals, stuck to what it was he was trying to do. Yeah. And, you know, and ultimately it, it got us promoted. You know, at the end of the season, we were we were flying the first half of the season. I think we went on something like a, a 19 game clean sheet record or something like that. Um, I think it was maybe 20, 20 or 21 games unbeaten. Level with, I think, Liverpool at the time. It was only us two in the, the whole of Europe, I think, that was that was kind of on that sort of level. And then uh, the second half of the season, with a few injuries, a few suspensions, things started to kind of be a bit sticky near the end of the season. And, and we started to drop points. I think we'd been top of the league for like yeah. most of the first half of the season. Um, and then, you know, finally to get across get across the line at the end of the season. Um, that last day was was madness. Like we had, we were playing Rochdale. I'm sure. No, we were playing. Aye, no, Rochdale could could get promoted as well. Um, I'm trying to think who it was we were playing. I can't even remember. But we we basically had to win, or uh, or I think it was score more than uh, than Rochdale. So basically, we ended up we went down one 0 um, and it was like. Silence like the stadium just died. You know, I mean, they were like, fucking out. So, managed to get ourselves back into the game. Um, and then I think I think it ended 3-2, but um, your old dad coming up with a with a finishing goal, a slide tackle for about two yards. Um, but then the game finished and we were still waiting and watched yeah. it finish. And there must have been a good eight or nine minutes because it was. Because it was the opportunity for them to get promoted, the the stadium was packed. It was like the game had to get stopped at certain periods and all that. So ended up we'd we'd finished the game, came off the pitch, we're sitting inside, we're in this room waiting for the scores to come in, and then and then they came in and it, like, it was just pure eruption. You know what I mean? Chairs flying everywhere and boys getting all other place. But it was brilliant. You know, it was it was great to have that uh, that experience getting promoted, um, and it you know. I'll never forget it, you know what I mean? Because it was a massive part of to my career, yeah. uh, getting promotion like that. So, nah, really good times, really good times. Great club as well. Great, like, small community club, but uh, with massive aspirations. And obviously, you've seen it over the past few years. Yeah. With Ainsworth and that, how well they've done. You know, there's still a couple of boys down there, like Bloom's boy, Matt Bloomfield, who's, who's still doing there. Um, still speak to him and, you know... It's it's just a it's just a great club to be involved in, eh? See, obviously, you you said there about getting promotion and that. Were you keen to stay? Like, what happened to the contract talks? So I so obviously the, the end of that year and and there was quite a number of a contract and you know just having the conversation with other players and knowing that there was definitely a couple of them leaving and 
you know, think to myself, where's the club going to be at next year? Um, once once we do get promoted into League One, um, and it was an opportunity. There was a, there was a couple of opportunities. There was other couple other clubs looking at me. I kind of was speaking to and uh, MK Dons being one, and and you know, fair play to, uh, to Wickham. It was for me the decision was never about money. Um, you know, it was more about the next year or two because I thought to myself how long am I going to be based in England you know what what can I achieve you know and my aim predominantly was to get to at least championship uh, football uh, that sort of level and and I seen MK Dons being in a better position I think they just missed it in the playoffs the year before um, or that that season sorry and, and I thought to myself well they're already in that position they're already okay. challenging you know and looking to kind of strengthen and go again next year so so I took that opportunity and, and, and kind of left, um, which, you know, it, and uh, again, the, the kind of chief executive at the time, Steve, Steve Hayes, he'd, you know, had a couple of really good open meetings with him. Um, and he, you know, he he pushed the position of the, the money side of it. And, uh, and it wasn't as if I was on a better contract going to MK Dons or anything, you know, working with were offering me a, a pretty decent contract, which is a, which was on the same level as well. Um, but it was just more about what I felt moving forward. And he understood that and he, you know, not that he was happy to accept it, but that's just that was just football. Um and and then yeah, so so made the made the move to Tim Kidons, obviously with with Demetrio for for about a week. <laughs> Did you ever meet him? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened there? That's I so um so actually I'd went to uh obviously a lot of this is done through agents and, you know stuff like that and uh you know they've been to see see me playing a lot kind of stuff but obviously I've never had any formal conversations but uh at that point I when I signed um or when up when I went up to sign I think Dimitel was was abroad at the time. Um, for one reason or another, so it was uh, it was the assistant Eddie Newton, I think it was mm -hmm. at the time. So he'd met me, you know, took me around the training ground and the facilities and that. Uh, went to the stadium, met the chairman Pete Winkleman, who was an absolute unbelievable character, right? Just uh, you know, for a guy who had so much money and so much wealth and that, just you know, you'd walk by him in the street. You know, he was just just that kind of we, you know, just such a normal guy, just a, such a well, don't have guy, you know what I mean? But um, but anyway, I so obviously met, and then about a week later, um, it got announced that Demetrio took the the Chelsea job, and I'm like, what's what's happening here? You know what I mean? So then, at that point, we were like probably about a week or so after that, we were back in, we were in for pre-season, so we came in and there was no manager. So it was um, it was one of the guys that ran the community. He took uh, he kind of took charge of the first team and organised it. And there was already a pre-season trip arranged um, to Portugal. So we went away to Portugal on a pre-season trip with no manager. Um, and then you know at that point things were you could see things were a bit lax. You know what I mean because there wasn't any manager there. Um, but then we found out that, that obviously Pons was taking the job. Uh, and and within you know kind of a few hours of that being announced, he was in Portugal, 
Um, you see the boys, so he came across, to be fair, he came across, I think, the, was it the second last day or something we were there. Um, kind of introduced himself, went through a few things, and uh, but then disappeared again. You know what I mean? So then we never seen him until we get back. Um, but I, again, you know, massive personality, um, massive you know, in the game. You know, the, the experience he's had behind him and the level he's played at is, is just unbelievable. And to be fair, I get, I get on really well with him. Um, a lot of the boys found, they said they found him hard to speak to. Um, yeah or hard to, felt as though it was hard to communicate, or I don't know if it was just, he did, it was one of the people that had like an aura around about him when he walks into a room, you know, there's a kind of change in atmosphere and all that stuff, but yeah. um, I felt as though I could speak to him just on a, on a normal level, so to speak, um, whether it be about football or family or, you know, kids or school, whatever it might have been, um, which was which was good for me. Um, that, that year, that first year, I probably didn't have the best of years, to be honest. I'd had a couple of uh, niggle injuries and um, a couple of hamstrings and, and stuff like that. And, and it was a bit stop-start for me, to be honest, um, which was frustrating because it definitely affected how I played. Um, and I didn't play anywhere near as well as, as what I could have. Um, and, and again, we, we kind of missed it um, in the opportunity in the playoffs and that as well, which was disappointing. Um, and then that... That ultimately um, sealed the, the deal, um, I think, for, for Ince as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then I ended up ended up moving on for that as well. What was happening? Was it obviously Carl Robinson come in? Did he, know just, did he just not take a shine to you at all? Like what happened there? Aye, so it, it was a, a, bit of, kind of a bit of both where um, I, I don't think he'd, he was overly keen on keeping me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, still, I still had another year in my contract. Um, but Brentford did come in um, to, to inquire about me. So they were asking about me. And, uh, so then Carol basically says, look, you know, I'll, I'll not hold anybody anybody back. He says, I'll give you the opportunity to speak to them. He said, and, and he's, I think his words were basically, you know, it would probably be good for you to speak to them, which told me kind of everything I need to know. Um, it was one of the ones, if I didn't, if I forced the issue and stayed, Fair enough, but you know I probably wouldn't have played as much, or or who knows. But um, you know I seen it as an opportunity that I probably wasn't going to be number one or be you know uh, in contention for a lot of games. So the opportunity where there's another club there that wants you. Um, so I, I went and spoke to Brentford, and you know, and it was it was a bit closer to home at the time as well. Um, so I was still staying in Redden at the time, so a lot of the time I was travelling for air to Mountain Keynes. Which every day was a bit of a journey, um, whereas Brentford obviously is just just right in the, the start of London, so mm-hmm. which is only kind of twenty minutes, uh, half an hour away. So so it made it uh, a bit of an easier decision as well. Yeah, definitely. You only played three games there. What was the what was the reason for that? Aye, what a what a great time I had there. <laughs> Honestly, but um, aye, it was it was probably uh, I always look back at it on the not the worst part of my career, but just the most frustrating part, you know, where throughout the, the the time before, I'd always been in a team or had the opportunity to play a team or, you know, I had the opportunity to show that I was worthy of playing in the team, so to speak. Whereas when I went to Brentford, again, there was uh, the manager, Andy Scott, was there and 
there was a lot, there was a big turnover in play that, players that year. I think there was about maybe nine or ten as that came in that year. Um, myself and and there was another boy, uh, another Dutch centre-back, uh, Pim Balkenstein, who came in. And and basically the kind of conversation at the time when he, when he met both of us was that we were coming in as the kind of main two centre-backs. You know, there was a couple for the year before who'd done fairly well and uh, that were still staying there, but, you know, he wanted to come in and more competition in that as well. So so you get into that thinking, right, brilliant, get a good opportunity here to go and play. Um, had a decent enough pre-season, played most of the games or part of the games, uh, and then went into the first game of the season against Carlisle, and we were 2-0 down after about 15 minutes, right? And it was just, I don't know what... We just kind of started, couldn't get a grip. So the game was up at Carlisle. They were bang at it. They were like on the front foot um, and and ended up at half time. Myself, uh, myself and one other, I think it was the right back, we get hooked. So whipped us off at half time, right? And I'm like, what's happening here? You know what I mean? At least go back into the second half or whatever. So it was his decision. But after that, the, the kind of relationship between me and Andy Scott just completely changed. Um, you know, even trying to get any conversation out of him after that game, just wouldn't come with any sort of any sort of decent conversation, or wouldn't have a conversation. So after that, I found myself on the bench a lot, knowing squads. You know, and we're talking maybe five, six games into the season. I'm thinking to myself, what's happening here? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the conversation you had when before I signed. You know, at least tell me. You know, at least have a conversation and say, look. You're not the player I thought you were. You know, I'm not going to play you. You're not going to play a lot, whatever it might be. But anytime I had the conversation, it was just, no, listen, you know, things have changed, this and that, and just kind of try completely dress things up. And they would never get any proper substance out of it. So that started to become a bit frustrating. Um, and then, you know, eventually getting nearer the, the January window, I managed to get out on loan to Bristol City, um, which again, Went there, they were they were having a bit of a tough time at um and you know after I think after about three or four games, maybe I, I tore my hamstring and it was just like like you know, mm-hmm. one of the seasons, it just it was becoming a bit of a nightmare. So ended up I, I just I just recently extended my loan to the end of the season there as well. So uh, anyway, I was out with the hamstring for a while and then managed to get fit. Um but then can I come back into it then uh, the manager at the time, uh, Dave, God, can I get his name now? He he ended up getting a sack, um, and one of the players, the captain at the time, he ended up taking over, um, caretaker at the end of the season. So he he went with a number of boys who'd been there for a few years and uh, you know felt trusted in them, which was absolutely fine. Um, you know I wasn't really involved until near near the end of the season, and then one of the second last games or something I was playing. Get bloody sent off against Notts County, I think. So it was just, you know, one of the ones just wipe it, wipe it off the board. Um, and then again, you know, that was the summer where I'd taken a mate, made a few decisions. Um, where Andy Scott had get the sack for, for Brentford, yeah. Um, you know, and then new manager comes in, and I still with another year, but basically they were they were just clear, it was like anybody who'd been in loan or hadn't played much. Just basically get told we don't want you, you know, like just agree, agree to leave, so to speak, agree your contract and, and leave. Um, so 
So again, at that time, um, it was very frustrating. You know what I mean? Because nah. I through probably most of the season, and you say played three games there, played maybe three or four with Bristol City. So coming for you know the, the couple of years I did before, where I played pretty much every game for Wickham over the course of two years. Then going to MK Dons and playing probably about 75% of the games there. Yeah. And have a season of, of not playing was very frustrating. Um, but that's that's what can happen in football. Yeah, you know? definitely. Your old teammate, Derek McInnes, he was at St. Johnson and you signed there. How did that come about? So I so I'd, my time doing England had been kind of constant because I played with uh, Dell at Dundee United, so there was you know, kind of regular conversations or messages and that, and he'd, you know, messaged a few times about players that I'd possibly played against doing in England that he was looking at signing, you know, things like that. So uh, when he knew I was leaving leaving Brentford, you know, he, he spoke to me and there was a couple of kind of family issues going on as well where it might, I felt at the time, it might have been better for me to be back in Glasgow. Yeah. Uh, so so that definitely played a part um, in coming back up the road. Um, so I so that's that's what happened, but it, it was it was tough at the time because having that season uh, of not really playing and having a few injuries and being in the gym a lot, I didn't realise how much physically it actually affected me. Um, so come up into pre-season and uh, went into St Johnston, and I knew a lot of the boys there, knew a lot of the boys who are, who were there, and I knew they were fit, fit boys and. It, Pre-season had never been a bother for me, to be honest. I was always, you know, pretty decent at running. It never, never kind of caused me any any problems. But <laughs> after about two or three sessions, I thought, fucking it, I'm miles off of here. Like, absolutely miles off it, you know what I mean? And, and then realised that, you know, I'd put on... I was never one to be conscious about my weight or, you know, feel heavy or any yeah. of that kind of stuff. But I then realised I was probably a good stone overweight where I should have been at, you know what I mean, uh, physically. So, you know, when I realised that and, it, and it, it showed up massively, you know, the boys at St. Johnson were on a high level anyway in terms of the fitness and that, which, which made it even harder for me because I was miles off where I was normally at. So it quickly showed up that I was I was a good distance away from where I should have been at. So I had a couple of conversations with, with Dell and, and I'd still played a couple of the games um, early on in the season, but he then said to me, he said, look, I think you need to take a bit of time just to just to pull yourself back into where you yeah. should be. You know what I mean? Take a bit of time, just just hammer away at it. Uh, he says, you'll still be involved in games and whatever. He said, but we need to we need to get you stripped in a bit, need to get you back to your, your fitness levels and that, which was which was good because it was an honest thing to say, you know, rather than you know, just kind of dwindling on and then me maybe not playing as many games because I wasn't as fit. Uh, you know, it was it was hard at the time to hear, but it was the right thing to hear because I knew it myself. I knew myself I was miles off it. So, um, so I so that that was that was kind of about a transition time in terms of that. And it was weirdly because that happening to me, it gave me a bit more focus on me physically and actually how much did I think about myself in terms of my fitness, in terms of my nutrition, in terms of what I was doing away for for training and 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 football and that as well. Uh, which then took me to a, a kind of a sideline or a you know a different perspective in terms of what was I doing outside football, um, which then got me into a couple of uh, fitness courses. So I looked at my, my yeah. gym instructor and then my personal training uh, qualification, uh, which ultimately you know has, has served me well over the past kind of ten year 
um, where I've, I've worked as a personal trainer, you know, had loads of clients, helped others as well. Um, so again, you know, marking out like, a, you know, something bad that happens always brings good somewhere else. Um, that's exactly what happened. You know, my personal position of being unfit, being, you know, slightly overweight, um, you know, made that transition and changed my mindset to think about, you know, on a more understanding of, you know, understanding fitness and nutrition and that, which then obviously gave me, gave me a better career elsewhere as well. So yeah, definitely. Obviously, uh, Denny McInnes leaves and goes to Bristol City, and Steve Lomas comes in. Did you know Denny McInnes would do well as a manager? Aye, aye. He's 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 got he's got the attributes. You know, you see it very quickly. Him and Tony Dockery, you know, great coaches, great manager, and Dell's very good at one-to-one management. You know. Uh, as I said, I knew him on a kind of personal level because I played with him. Yeah. But at the same time, I seen it through other players as well. You know, he he knew how to keep boys on side when they weren't playing. He knew how to keep them part of it and make sure they were always part of the experience, even though they might have only played five or six games that year. Um, you know, it it was very good at that. Training was very good, very enjoyable, very hard work. You know, it, it was always hard work focused. Um, or hard work base, so to speak, with the with the technicalities, you know, and in and around it as well, which was which was good. But I, you know, they always had aspirations to go and and manage at higher level. Um, so it was no surprise when, obviously, you know, that year again we we get into into Europe that year and we'd done pretty well. So you know, it came as no surprise that other clubs were were kind of coming calling. I mm-hmm. yeah, definitely Steve Lomas. What was he like? <laughs> he's a madman <laughs> just an absolute madman um, he's I completely you know again coming for the, the set up with Dell and, uh, and Doc had you know it, it was again it was very different you know bringing Tommy Wright in as well Tommy was straight down the line you know tell you how it is but old school um, in terms of his training and that but uh Lomas was was very much, you know, laughy, jokey, trying to have a laugh around about training and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I again just a, a different type of manager, you know, having to work alongside. So um, you know, I think he'd inherited a really good squad there. I think that's what helped. Um, there was a lot of boys in there that, you know, we had at Falkett when we were there, where, you know, the the changing room manages itself. You know, the manager doesn't really need to go in there and, and sort things out or, you know, pick on it too much, um, which which I think Lomas inherited and in, in the St. Johnson changing room. There was a lot of experience in there. A lot of boys that had been around the game, a lot of boys that played a lot of games, even though they were still a bit younger. Um, and, and all kind of focused on the, the one goal. St. Johnson was always a hard-working team and still is. You see yeah. it in their performances, you know what I mean? They're always grafting all the time, never making the game easy for you sort of thing. So that was always uh, kind of, uh, you know, installed in us anyway. Um, and again, you know, again, that second year, fortunate enough to go and uh, to get into Europe and that again, which was, which was massive for the club, you know, two years in a row um, was great. And then obviously you, you have your two years at St Johnson, you've finished sixth and finished third, just playing Europe. Do you have a couple of bad injuries and kind of illnesses as well? Did you kind of how did you feel physically at that point? So that like I was I was absolutely fine at that point. Um, but what happened was near the end of the season, uh, there was obviously contract talks about like extending my contract and that. Um, and then 
you know, at the same time, I'd been pl- kind of playing near, near the end of the season. I was kind of in and out of the team a wee bit. So the questions start to come to my mind of what's next year looking like? You know, yeah. am I going to play the same? Is it going to be the same in and out? Or am I going to play regular? Um, so again, there's possibly conversations with other teams at the same time. But managed to get an, a contract agreed with St. Johnson. Um, like verbally agreed it. Um, but at the same time, I was getting a wee bit of bother with my knee. So the physio at the time had suggested getting a scan on it. And at the point, I was a wee bit wary of doing that just because of where my contract situation was at. Yeah. But I spoke to the club and they were like, look, it's fine. Go and get the, go and get the scan. We'll get the contract arranged and whatever. Um, so get the get that uh, the scan and realise that I've got a, like a small tear, a small kind of uh, crack in my cartilage, which, you know, they said was was all right. Um, it'd need an operation. Um, but the, the kind of recovery time for it might be fairly lengthy. It might be kind of like three, four months. Um, so then at the time... Obviously, Tommy Wright was there, um, and and they had a few conversations, and they says, "Look, it's fine. Get the operation and that, um, and you know, get it done as quick as soon, uh, as quick as possible." Sort of thing, so that you know your recovery time is is then complete quicker. Yeah. Uh, so that was fine. Got the operation, and then you know I'm sitting in sitting in the bed at Ross Hall Hospital. Uh, gets on the phone to my agent, and he's like. Ah, Listen, they've uh, they've sent an email to say that n- there's no contract there, and I'm like, ah, what? And I swear to God, like my heart just sank because I'm sitting, my, I'm sitting thinking to myself, I'm 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 definitely going to be it for three months here. Right. We, we you know we no possibility of playing or anything like that, and I you know it, and everything just kind of fell apart a wee bit to be honest. Um, had a couple of meetings with them, and it was very much. You know, there was a lot of stuff just going on that, you know, nobody taking responsibility. Some people saying that the contract was, wasn't was on the table, you know, since back in January or February, whereas, you know, only a week before it, I was agreeing on a couple of things to go into the contract. So a lot of confusion, um, which ultimately just ended up in me not having a contract. Um, so... So again, felt pretty, pretty vulnerable at that point. Um, you know, knew I was going to be injured for for a couple of months, three months, and then you know having to having to do that recovery without having a team as well. Yeah. So used, I was fortunate enough at the time that you know through the the PFA and the SFA, you get those facilities at Hamden, um, where you get to do your recovery. So managed to get a few of those sessions, um, and then after that. Uh, Gary Holt, who was at Falker at the time, he he'd you know kind of phoned me a couple of times and, and seen how I was and and then said, look, listen, come in and use the facilities here. So he he offered me to go in and get uh, use of the, the physio there, um, which was great. And then after that, you know, maybe two or three weeks after that, he'd said, look, listen, I'm going to I'm going to get a contract offer because he'd seen he knew the type of player I was, knew kind of type of professional I was and how I'd look after myself and, and focus on my rehab and that. Uh, and then ultimately, yeah, that's, that's how I ended up signing at Falkirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Your first season at Falkirk, you finished third and lose the playoff. How hard was that? Aye, that was difficult. Aye, it was difficult because, um, you know, we'd, we'd done so well. Um, we'd done so well, but against Hamilton, you know, they were kind of, so to speak, our main rivals in the, in the league. Um, and there was that expectation to... To go straight up and, and what have you. So, uh, 
uh, it was difficult kind of ended that season um and the and the playoffs and that and me personally it went and dislocated my shoulder in the last game and that as well and so it was just a pretty poor end to the season and then and obviously hope left the club as well yeah. um so again a bit of transition there where um I'd I think I just agreed on our contractor. I was I was in the midst of agreeing it because I'd only signed a year. Um, so, I so then so just just kind of waiting to see who the new manager was that was going to come in. Peter Houston gets the job. Obviously, you worked with Peter Houston before. How did you feel about that? Uh, I'll no lie, and I've said to him as well. You know, but I was a bit apprehensive. I was a bit kind of yeah. nervous because. When he came into Dundee United with, with Craig Levine, obviously it takes you straight back to that position where you think, you know, what did they think about me as a player yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Plus, I was thinking about what he was like as a coach at the time. So, Husty at Dundee United was a, a very full-on coach. He'd done a lot of the training. He was very harsh on boys. He was, you know, he set high standards. And uh, at times, you know, it, it was tough going. So, him coming in, I'm thinking to myself, like I'm, we're going to be in for the same here, you know. And, and am I am I going to get much an opportunity? Is he thinking about me as a player I was back then, all this kind of stuff? But you know, very quickly after that, um, all that kind of get quashed because as a couple of conversations with him, um, ended up then he, he made me captain, and and straight away I thought myself right okay. And it was he he again as well was was in a different place for where he was at Dundee United as a coach, as a person, as a manager and stuff. Um, so for there, you know, a really, really good relationship started to, mm-hmm. to open up, to be honest. Um, you know, in all the course of time that used to be there, I felt as though I, I grew massively in terms of being a captain, being a, a player, understanding the game, understanding the coaching side, understanding different parts of the game because he was so open with some of, some of his content and, and how much he actually, you know, brought me into, so to speak. You know, whereas a lot of managers will be quite shielded and, you know, they'll have their coaching staff but don't bring a lot of players in. But uh, he was he was great. Uh, he was great at the time. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. There was a player there who obviously you... We've we've now got on the channel Rory Loy. You must have a brilliant Rory Loy story. But first of all, what was it like <laughs> as a player? Rory, I so Rory Rory came in obviously um, good goal scoring track record and that, and, and there was already a few boys there that, that knew him. Um, but he came in and uh, first quite quite quiet, you know, kind of uh, guarded so to speak. I think just just sussing the place out, sussing the boys out, and whatever. But then. As time grew, you see what type of person Rory is now. I obviously still speak to him a lot, you know, try to get try to get out for a beer with him um, for about two or three months now, and we just kind of kind of get timings right. Um, but he is one of the most inquisitive person I've ever known, honestly, which is brilliant, right? Because some of the some of the shit he used to come up with in the changing room, right, would spark conversations for days, right? I, tell, I honestly, I, I kid you not. Um, but it was brilliant, you know, and just the way he thinks about stuff. Uh, you know, like some of this, it, it got me thinking, it got loads of boys thinking in a completely different way. You know what I mean? For example, like food, for instance, right? You know, how does does when when you think about food, right? Yeah, I can't remember if he asked the question or he just made the statement that like talking about food. I think it was maybe lunch or something, and he smelt his food. Right, or somebody smelt their food or something, and his question was, "How does food no smell the same as it tastes?" 
you know what I mean? They just shit like that, you know what I mean? Where you're thinking, well, should it should it taste the same as it smells, or should it smell the same? Why is it why is it different? Why is it no, you know, just stuff like that, just every day, every day, you know, and and then it became like things like that's would you rather, you know, just coming up with <laughs> just random shit. I don't know if he's done it with you yet, has he? Oh, yeah, no, no, we'll get no, that. Yeah, I mean, like, just, yeah, and I, th- there was a lot of like really crude ones in there, you know what I mean? But, you know, just would you rather do this than do that? So, <laughs> like, would you rather, you know, take 10 punches in the face every morning or stab yourself in the leg once and that's it done? So, you know, shit like that, right? But that's just a random, that's just a random option there, right? But there was, as I said, there was some, some pretty ridiculous ones in there, like involving family members and involving girlfriends, involving other people and all that, you know what I mean? So you can imagine where the conversation goes. Um, but I honestly, like, and I'm pretty sure you will agree. Some of, you know, the way he questions things and the way he thinks about things is Aye. brilliant. I love it because he's got a completely different way of thinking about things. Uh, in terms of the, so, you know, even that side, the player, but as a player, Brilliant. He done like so well for us. Yeah. Uh, the amount of goals he scored, the goals that he created, out of nothing. He just his hard work, you know what I mean, in his graft uh, was brilliant as well. And I think, I think he, you know, he had a really good time uh, that that first year uh, in terms of how he was playing and the goals he was scoring as well. Massive goals for us as well, uh, and some, some some really big games um, for the you know going back to the, the other side. Yeah, I had the pleasure of. You know, so like Christmas night out, right? So one of the stories, Christmas night out. And uh, we'd set it up. So I, t- I wanted to do something a wee bit different one year, right? So kind of set it up that uh, you would pick, you would pick somebody out. So it'd be kind of two hats, pick somebody out, and then you pick a letter out. Um, I think it was I pick a letter out um, or, a, or a car or something like that, I can't remember. But anyway, so you had to basically, that person, you had to, choose an outfit for them, right? But it wasn't like a nice outfit, so it was a fancy dress, it would be on the Sunday, you had to pick like a horrendous outfit, you had to, you know, had to go like full pelt on them and try and make them look as bad as possible. So basically, Rory had, Rory had the opportunity day for me, and I can't remember what it was, whether it was a colour or, it might have been like a luminous or something like that, like a luminous colour. So anyway, I ended up set up with, was it like a boob tube? with fucking hot pants, uh, knee-high stockings, and a pair of aluminous yellow high heels. Right, I don't know where they produced these things for you, by the way, right? Absolutely horrendous, right? But, and I'm actually surprised how well I walked in them, right? It was, at first it was like, fucking hell, my lip, like Bambi, you know what I mean? Like, kind of, oh, the shop. But then I think it's probably, don't get me wrong, the, the 25 pints probably helped as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you just, you know, you're, you're doing control your body anyway, but... Um, aye, some some great times. Like somebody trips away. We had a couple of year where we went to Dublin, uh, two years in a row, I think. Or oh, we went to Newcastle, sorry, and then went to Dublin. But aye, some of the stories and just ugh, ridiculous boys getting dragged about, like on leashes and all this, and fucking on it. Uh, bad this bit. I'm pretty sure he'll uh, he'll he'll fill you in. That run at the Scottish Cup final in 2015. What was your highlights of that? I so you know it, it was it was weird that season because obviously the focus the years before that the two years before it was on promotion you know what I mean and trying to get into playoffs or trying to get uh, promoted whereas that year I think we had Rangers 
and Hibs in it. Yeah, uh, Hearts were in it as well, eh? Hearts in it, aye, Hearts in it, so Hearts were in it as well. So you're starting the season and you're like, fucking hell, it's, you know, automatic promotion is probably, you know, non-existent when you've mm-hmm. got three, three teams at that level, paying the sort of money they were paying and, you know, the, the calibre of player that they had. But, you know, you still see yourself, right, well, you know, you still got to aim to get into the playoffs. Um, but, you know, it was just one of the years in, in the, the cup run, uh, we done really well, you know. Some of the, some of the games we had in that, and you, you know, the other course of the year that it takes the kind of focus away for the league as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, some of the games we had that year in the league, you know, against Rangers and and that with some some massive results, you no know, beating Rangers and whatever as well, uh, which was great. But we started to, I felt at that point, falling on for the year, but before it as well. There was a there was a massive uh, kind of growth in our in our mindset as well. We we became a team that just was never done. We mm-hmm. were never finished. You know whether we were getting beat two 0 or whether we were one and three one, it didn't matter. The game was just going on and on. And and the more games went on, the stronger we were getting. Yeah. You know, which was which was um, it was great. You know being part of that as well because you know the, the mind takes over when you're when you're tired and or when you're you know, the kind of physical side of that as well. So we knew, we started to grow as a team and we knew as a team, the, the more the game was going on, we were always going to have a strong finish, especially especially at Falkirk, you know, especially at Falkirk Stadium. There was a, a kind of, I was going to say routine there, but the way games were going, they were always mapping out the same way. You know, yeah. where we, you know if we started in this half, the first half, the second half, get into our fans, you know, there was always that drive. We'd always have a lot of possession. We'd always have a lot of opportunities, loads of corners, free kicks, you know, shots and goal. And and it just seemed to happen game after game after game, whether it be in the cup games, whether it be against Rangers, against Hibs, you know, some of the games that we came back for. Um, and, and a lot of boys were playing, you know, at, at a good level in terms of, like, their performances. Um, they, were, they were really performing, um, which was great. We were doing really well as a back four or a back three. Um, and then you had boys up front like Rory, Bob McEwen, all that kind of stuff coming yeah. on and scoring at times uh, when, you know, when we have maybe out of sight in the game um, just to give you that kind of lifeline again. So, aye, that that year, you know, was, it was devastating not to win the cup because the way the game went, you know, getting to the final and no disrespect to Inverness, you know, we us in Inverness in the in the cup final, they would have been the exact same. They would have been looking at going like that. You know, what an opportunity to win yeah. the cup. Um, and we were seeing the exact same because you won there up against one of the old firm. You won there up against Aberdeen, the Hearts, or Hibs, or you know, a, a kind of team with a higher caliber of player. And you know, we we did. We seen it. And the way the game went, you know, it's it, anytime I look back at it, I think myself, like how you know, it just kind of like disappeared phase for the point of you know. Uh, descending off, you know, we maybe think, right, bro, we, there's, the game's yeah. only going to go one way. And that's exactly how we thought, you know, it was only going to go one way. And then Inverness get the breakaway. Um, and it was uh, it was massively disappointing. But, you know, again, over the course of the, the kind of four years uh, at Falkirk, every year we were challenging for something, you know, whether it be in the playoffs or whether it be the, the, the Scottish Cup final that as well, um, which was good because... 
you know, as a club, they put a lot into things. They put a lot into the players. They put a lot into the infrastructure behind it um, to help try and, you know, yeah. get the club achieving things. Um, and it, again, it was just disappointing not to get that last bit. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. Obviously, the year after that as well, you lose to Kelly in the playoff. And then, obviously, the, you, that was your kind of four years at Kel, uh, Falkirk. What was your kind of favourite memories of your time at Falkirk after the cup final? I, you know, you could pick something out every year. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, as I said, being in the playoffs uh, for for three years out of the four, being in the Scottish Cup final. Um, you know, some of the games, as I mentioned before, some of the games we had against, especially Rangers, I remember some of the, the games at uh, at Falkirk Stadium were brilliant. They were great games. They were full on. Uh, you know, they were challenging games. They were games that. People expected us to not get it, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. your boys, your boys, you know, coming up with with massive goals at massive times in the game, you know, uh, Will Vokes, you know, scoring some some great goals. Bob McCuse, I mentioned, Miles Hippolyte, you know, Marcel, Big Pete, and that at the back, scoring some goals against, you know, at set pieces and that as well. Um, but you know, at that point as well, your boys in the team who who knew, although you're playing against a better caliber player. They wanted to show that you know you could do better in that team. You could do better in that player as well, which was which was massive. So, uh, I obviously for me, being club captain, you know, being involved, being able to to lead the boys, you know, at a Scottish Cup final was was a massive moment uh, for my time there. Um, as I said, the only kind of disappointing thing was not to get that last bit, not to get Kilmarnock, um, not to get the Scottish Cup final. Um, but again, you know, we've done extremely well to, to get into the positions as well. Yeah, definitely. You move on to Peter Head after that. How did you feel about going part-time? I will, at that transition, um, the, the kind of years before it, when I was at Falkirk, that's when I was still doing personal training, doing wee bits and pieces here and there, because I was consciously thinking of what's the next step. Yeah. Like when you, obviously getting to 30, 33, 34, you know, things are going to start to slow down, the body's going to start to slow down, I need to start thinking about other things. Uh, and at the time, I wasn't fully focused on coaching. You know, I'd done my B licence by that point, and, you know, but I wasn't, you know, eager like to to get right into coaching because I was kind of focused on the fitness side of things. So at that point, I was fortunate that uh, Folk had just built a new performance gym and underneath one of the stands. Yeah. They gave me the opportunity to run that. So, you know, even though I wasn't getting a contract uh, for Husty, you know, the opportunity was there to to still work with the first team, or well, just on a different a different position or a different level. Um, so I took that on, um, which was great. The opportunity to work, you know, do bits and pieces around the bit on the pitch, uh, and and obviously some strength condition stuff in the gym as well with the boys, um, which was great. So, so that that was brilliant. But you know, as time went on, I found I found the job harder and harder because I wasn't allowed to express myself and mm-hmm. what I was trying to do with the, the position. Uh, you know, wanting to open up the gym as a facility to the public, get some fans in there. Um, you know, but the, the kind of chief executive time very much wanted to go a, a different route, um, which was tough. And, it, it, you know, I was trying to go that way, but ultimately I got, kind of got to a point where I thought myself, right, you know, I'm banging my head against a brick wall here. Um, but getting into that job, you know, leading back to your question about Peterhead, getting into that job, I thought myself, right, you know, that's 
that's me pretty much finished playing. Mm. You know, I'm focused on this. It's a new job. I need to have everything fully focused on it. And then uh, then Jim get in touch, Jim McAnally. And, and he was like, so he was very much uh, open to whatever I wanted to do. You know, he's like, he says, look, I know you've took on a job there. He says, we're part-time. He says, construct it how you want. He says, I'll look after you. and all like, obviously, older pro or that kind of stuff. And uh, it was good. It was, you know, and I thought to myself, actually, why not? You know what I mean? It gives me an opportunity to still play. Plus, they just get relegated. And his, his position was that, you know, he wanted to go straight back up again. Mm-hmm. So again, that's what drew me in. It was the fact of like go and win something else, go and get another promotion. Uh, so so I so so went into that. But if I'm being totally honest, I didn't I didn't realise how hard I would find the transition of going for full time training to a full time job and part time training. Completely different structure. Um, the the gym job was mentally like straining me, so to speak, because I was having to think in a completely different way. Physically, you know, I could go and batter myself every single day, no problem, because that's what I've done for the past 20 years. But to to be sitting at a laptop, to be sitting at a desk, thinking about things, thinking about different strategies, phoning people, you know, working out different things financially was just mentally straining on me. I mean, it, and, it, and I found it hard to deal with it, to be honest. Uh, you know, and I was finding myself, you know, going to training and feeling physically fatigued because I would I've been, you know, mentally uh, straining myself all day. And, and, and as I said, I found hard to adapt to that. And I spoke to a few people who'd done the same, and they said, "Look, you do need to, you do need to realise that you know it's a different setup." You know, I was going up to train at Peterhead, and I was trying to train at the same level I was training before every day. So I was getting in there, full pelt, smashing it. And, you know, quite quickly I found myself, but I knew my fitness wasn't at the same level because I wasn't training every single day. Uh, and then I was trying to go into the training sessions full pelt and I was picking up wee niggle injuries because of it. Um, so, so again, massive transition in terms of that, how I had to train myself, uh, try to find time in my day to train mm-hmm. rather than being able to just turn it up and somebody training you yeah. at football, then... You know, having to actually say to myself, right, I'm training football like Tuesday, Thursday, or Monday, Wednesday, whatever it might be, two nights a week. So, what other days am I going to train myself? What types of training am I going to do myself as well? Uh, and how am I going to fit that into my half eight to half five job at Falkirk as well? So, so, I'm now doing sessions at seven in the morning, or I'm trying to do sessions at six at night mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm done in anyway. So. So I so that was all that was it was really difficult to be honest. Um and it took me a bad time to, to get to get used to that sort of transition. Um but fortunate enough for me, Jim was very, very responsive to that and and kind of let me, you know, some nights I'd you know, or, or some days I'd be on the way up to training and I'd phone him and say to him, look, listen, I'm fucking knackered here or I'm feeling my calf and he's like, look, just do what you want. Like if you want to just get a bit of treatment for the physio. If you want to just do a bit of running, do what you want. Like if you see how you feel, um, which was which was fortunate enough for me. I mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. When did you first hear about the Falkirk manager's job? So I so through that that course of time, the, the kind of second year with with Peterhead and that, Jim had made it you know quite open and honest that I wouldn't play as much. No. Um, sorry, that was in the, the that was the, the third year that I was there. Um, 
but he said, look, he says, I want you to be part of the coaching staff. He says, if you need to be stripped or whatever, then then I'll get you to be on the bench. He says, but there's no really any intention to, for you to play, which was great. At that point, you know, I'd, in the second year, I'd been doing some training sessions. Jim had said to me, look, go and do a bit of content, you know, put a bit in it. That's, he wanted some fresh ideas, which was great for me, um, which then gave me a different insight into football, you know what I mean? Because I was then taking that opportunity, the responsibility to actually put content into the team that was going to affect the Saturday game. Yeah. So, again, having a look at it, a different aspect. Um, and then in that third year, I had loads of content, you know, loads of loads of training, um, you know, focusing on the defensive side of things, making sure people are set up for set pieces and, and all that. Um, and then the, the Falkirk job. So, after I get made redundant for the, the gym position at Falkirk, I then just went into personal training uh, with, with one of the guys actually who like going all the way back to Dundee United, one of the guys I wrote a Stiden Digsby, boy Christian Tilly, yeah. who's got his own gym facility. So again, it's funny how you know football goes run yeah. back itself, so to speak. So so Gentilly had, had let me work there for a while and then uh, and then I took on a job in Arnold Clark. So I was looking for a wee bit more stable income. Yeah. Uh, so I took a job in there. I was in there for probably the best part of six months or so, six, seven months. And then, you know, the the Falkirk job was was a strange one because obviously I'd been back to Falkirk and, you know, we'd played Falkirk up at Peterhead a couple of times and that. Uh, still having conversations with some people at the club and whatever. But uh, knew that Ray McKinnon was under a bit of pressure. Um, and... Myself and Lee, Lee Mar, just we were kind of constantly having conversations and whatever. Anyway, because because we're good mates, and then it just just at a chance we'd met the week before. Uh, we get we get contacted about a job, and we're just sitting as as we do right, and and Rory will be the same, right? We used to there's a few years in that changing room where we'd sit and we'd try and come up, what, what are you going to do, like, football-wise? What are you going to do outside football, right? And another one was Paul Watson, who's now at uh, Dunfermline, right? I used to sit beside Watson, and every day we'd have something different. It'd be like he wanted to start, like, a gin. He, he was going to produce his own gin and all this kind of stuff, and, uh, and, and all that. So, anyway, part of that conversation with me and Lee was <laughs> he had this new idea, right? He had this new thing that he was, he was wanting to do, and we were talking... And then we're talking about football and talking about Falkirk. Always came back to Falkirk, so to speak. Um, and and then it was just a case of, like, I wonder if that job's going to come up because he's under massive pressure now. Um, and anyway, that weekend, that's when I got a phone call. You know, a phone call just to say, look, listen, uh, it was actually, it was Jim that phoned me. He says that Falkirk had been in contact to say, you know, they kind of went run it the right way and said, look, would like the opportunity to speak to David. Uh, he came in on a kind of caretaker uh, position. So, so I so spoke to him and then, uh, you know, had that difficult conversation with Jim. To be fair, it, you know, because he I, he he gave me so much in terms of the coaching position and yeah. playing in that after a couple of years and you know and I, I had an open conversation with him and he said, look, listen. I'll never stand in anybody's way, you know what I mean? If you want to go and try it, he says, if, obviously it's just caretaker. So if it doesn't work out, then come back. He says, oh, no, the position's still here for you. It's no as if you go and that's you, I don't want to see you again. Yeah. Which is really good. So he gave me an opportunity to do it. We went and spoke to Falkirk, um, you know, and, and then 
quite quickly, you know, it's an opportunity kind of really turned in um, to try and progress your, your coaching or your managerial career. So, um, you know, moving in there with a real belief that we would be able to turn things around and, and make things better. Uh, and and that's what happened, you know, with the quick turnaround, um, team started progressing again, and and then obviously we get the job full time, and and again that was that was hard because obviously I had to say to Jim about it, you know, I was going to take the job full time, and uh, and and I was fortunate enough that even the, the Arnold Clark job, the manager I had uh, John at Arnold Clark, he was very open about it as well, you know, and said that you know go and go and take the opportunity, try it out, mm-hmm. you know, there's a job here anyway, so. But aye, you know, when you get into the Falkirk job, everything's focused on that. You know, you need to you need to do as best you can. Um, and it's just the way that went that first season. You know, if, if things hadn't get stopped, you know, we truly believe that we would have we would have been promoted that year because the way things were going, we were we were on the front foot, we were progressing, we were getting better and better by each game. Um and, and Rafe Rovers at the time were were kind of up and down. Yeah. Uh, and we seen the opportunity there to, to kind of kick on again. But, you know, as, as we've seen in the past two years now, how crazy things got, we never thought it went, went the way it did. Were uh, you disappointed in how it ended? Uh, when we left Falkirk? Aye. Aye, 100%. Aye, absolutely. Um, you know... Was it results or was it just pressure? What, what do you think was the cause of the reason? You... I, well, I, I think... Uh, I think the board and and the chairman and that were under pressure because of the the last couple of results, um, you know, and up until that point, you know, I I think we'd been doing fine, you know, we'd been, you know, the results were fine. Um, there was a couple of games where we hadn't get the results we needed or we wanted, you know, um, but we're still top of the league at that point, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. and. Then, Obviously, the performances I think to go along with it to the two last uh, results was was one of the biggest things. I think the performance against the Cove uh, performance in the Cove game was massive disappointment because we knew that was a big game. We knew we had to produce there, and and we just never we were never at the races. Um, and Cove were at it, you know, in fair play to them, they were at it, they put us under pressure, uh, they showed their experience that they had in the team and, you know, and, and we never, we never took opportunities, we never stood up to it um, and that was really disappointing for, for myself and Lee as, as managers to see that and then, you know, we came away for that and then we had the Peter Head game, you know, and and we knew, we knew we had to have a reaction then and don't get me wrong and this is by no means any excuse or anything, the week to two weeks before that, we'd with a number of injuries come up uh, to some of our experienced players, boys that you know maybe in games like that that you need, you know, you need to 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 get a hold of the other ones and about them um, and and kind of get through the games, but you know they weren't there um, and and the results and the performances. I say, you know, I spoke to Jim after the Peterhead game and and he was like, ah, he says he says I just you know there was no intention I was playing football. He says, I knew if we tried to play football against you, you would have beat us. Uh, he said, so he said that our main factor was just to get after these, mm-hmm. get after these, make it hard, put you under pressure. And that's what happened. You know, they, they never gave us a minute. Um, and we never adapted well enough throughout the game. Um, you know, with a couple of injuries, young boy, you and Devaney get taken off a band injury and went to reshuffle again. And and then, it, you know, as the game went on, you just think to yourself, 
you know, nothing's happening here. We're not going to get out of this game. Um, and to be honest, after that, you know, it was still massively disappointing. Um, but I still never felt that the decision, you know, to, to let us go would have been made. Mm-hmm. Um, there was still a number of games to be played. And, and even if we never won it outright, then, you know, still opportunity to go into the playoffs and, and get yourself promoted. But that was probably the biggest thing that, you know, there wasn't that, that trust there f- to keep us in the job. Um, and I don't know what their thinking was in terms of, you know, make the change now so that they maybe get a kick getting into the end of the season. Don't know. Um, but, you know, moving you know, moving forward after we'd left, we quickly realised that there was a number of other issues that were going on um, mm-hmm. that, that weren't helping their position in the, in the manager's job, uh, that, that probably weren't helping the player's position either. So... You know, you you look back in that and a, a massive learning experience. Um, learnt loads um, that that would do differently. Get into uh, an ex manager's position or coaching position. Um, you know, and and just realizing that you know some people are in positions uh, to do certain jobs, which is fair enough. You know what I mean? And and they've got to do that, but at the same time, there's, there's certain ways of doing things. I think. Yeah, definitely. See if you went back in coaching management, would it be with can I be the same kind of setup again? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like as I said, uh, me and Lee obviously Lee still he still uh, continue to play and now try to do yeah. a bit of bride in that as well. Um, he's he's also looking at a different career move as well. So uh, setting up doing a bit of barbering and that as well, and just you know something that that. Uh, that he likes doing, um, which is fair enough. But, you know, I think it would need to be, I think it depends on the job, depends yeah. on what comes up, you know, whether uh, he would want to do it, whether whether I would want to do it, whether I'd be in a position to do it. Um, I think, you know, I think we work really well alongside each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's why the kind of co-manager thing worked for us um, because, you know, I think we... We do challenge each other. We do challenge each other's decisions or, or the way we think. Um, but I think kind of leading on nearer the end of it, I think both of us, you know, probably get influenced by others around us um, too much um, rather than kind of staying true to our, our own decisions. Um, so getting into like a new position, uh, I enjoy the, the managerial position, I enjoy mm-hmm. that. You know, that point of responsibility to make that decision and whether it be the right one or not then then that's fine but I'd much rather be in that position to, to make that strong decision and say right well that, this is what I'm going with and that's what I'm sticking with um, than, than having others on board to, to influence that decision sometimes uh, so I so it's just it's you know whatever whatever comes up um, after the Falkirk job I did, did look at um, a couple of other positions I said get interviews and whatever but then uh, you know, at the moment, I'm focusing on on a new new business, yeah. new, new property business, um, which is going great. Um, you know, focusing mainly on the kind of estate agency side just now, um, with a few other developments going on in the next few months as well. So, you know, focusing on that. But you know, once the right opportunity comes up in football, then then it'll definitely be a chance to get back in there and, and something that I'll look to do, 100%. Well, we hope to see you back in football soon. Are you all right closing some quite a few questions? 
Yes, I. Who would you say was the best player you ever played with, apart from Rory Loy? <laughs> oh, you've killed my answer now. I was going to be Rory. He, he, by the way, he will be expecting the answer. Uh, I think looking back, um, Charlie Muller. Charlie Muller at Dundee United was uh, was a great player, outstanding. You know, he could turn the turn the game in its head, like with, with a couple of passes, um, and an absolute character to go with as well. Yeah. Best player you ever played against? Uh, played against, I think one that I learnt a lot from was uh, playing against him was Henrik Larsson. Yeah. So played against him numerous occasions for Celtic um, and he was never one to to become complacent with, you know, because there was a lot of time where, you know, it would, you would be doing so well against him throughout the game, you know, kind of marking him at the game, stopping balls into him, you know, winning the ball back off him or whatever it might be. And then in one instance, you know, it might go wide and you think, right, he's there. You look at the ball, ball come in and then bang, he's five yards away for you and he's, and he's finishing, you know what I mean? So uh, so for me, I, his, his time at Celtic and, and my opportunities playing against him, that was a massive learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. Favourite away ground you played at? Uh, Favourite away, I think in terms of Scotland and that, uh, you know, definitely Parkhead and Ibrox, you know, or, or one and the other. Just the atmosphere there is is unbelievable, you know, and mm. especially now with fans being back and stuff like that, you know, what an opportunity uh, when you're playing there to yeah. have that amount of fans. And, uh, you know, I remember playing there for the first time when I was younger, playing at Parkhead and, you know, my brothers are in the stand and that, and they do the... Uh, they do the huddle and that and they walk on and everything and I'm standing last <laughs> in total on it, you know, forgetting that I'm about to kick off to a game here. Um but I I think uh, I think both of them the atmosphere that they bring is sinking on. Favourite film and TV show? Favourite film, right? Uh, so it's gotta be something something kind of daft. Step Brothers is definitely up there. Uh, or like and I like ones with Jim Carrey in it, which a lot of times I've been compared to Jim Carrey just because of my stupid facials and all that. So uh, maybe something like Bruce Almighty or Forty Year Old Virgin or something. Yeah. Favorite football in memory? Um, there could be there could be a few in there. Obviously, international, you know, uh, playing for the under twenty one and yeah. stuff like that was was um was a great opportunity in, in being involved with you know the, the caliber of player run a bit there as well. Um but then obviously being being a captain, I think for me, um at a number of clubs I'd had a small opportunity done the United. Then when I went to Mickham, being the, the captain there, um coming up and then and obviously captain in Falkirk and being able to, you know, captain them to, you know, take them out in Scottish Cup finals and that as yeah. well. You know, finals is is massive for me. So uh aye, those those opportunities will always stick. Mm-hmm. Best friend in football. Uh, best friend in football. So for me, big Lee's one. You know, Rory's it. Rory's a good mate. Um, over the years, and that there's there's, there's loads. Obviously, I, I speak about ones that you know I still speak to for for Dundee United days, and you know some boys that aren't involved in football. Uh, you know, like boy Colin Riley and that as well, who who I'm close with. But uh, it's it's one of the ones where you've you've loads of mates in football, aye. but. You know, but very few friends. So, um, so I still waiting. To, well, 
I'm saying Rory, but he's still to buy me a pint, you know what I mean? So I don't know. We're recording with him tonight. We'll tell him we'll ask him about that. We'll that on the show. Final question. Best manager you played under? Um, see, I'm, I'm probably fortunate that, you know, I've had, I've had a number, you know, where, you know, in, in different kind of perspectives. Uh, with Paul Lambert, you know, he's got a very different style. Um, Peter Taylor, you know, very structured and very... You know, very true to his, his kind of uh, morals and, and what he does. Um, but probably later on in my career, but probably because I was a bit older and a bit more experienced, I could see it, um, was Peter Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the relationship that I had with Houston um, throughout that time and, and probably, as I said, being able to see what he was showing me and what he was kind of teaching me uh, was was great as well. So... I, and, I, and, you know, I still kind of speak to him on and off as well. So he's still there, you know, giving me bits of advice and that as well. So, aye, so fortunate enough to, to have them. Brilliant. David, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show, mate. Thanks very much for coming on. I've really enjoyed it. And best of luck for the future of the business. No, nah, brilliant. It's been great. Listen, and uh, I'll be I'll continue to watch what you guys are producing as well and see what, see what the man Rory has got to say about it. Brilliant. Thanks very much. All right. Top, Cheers. man. Cheers.